my name is Charles Sargent, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Sins of Henry County. And again, I am also the author of the book, Sins of Henry County, in which this podcast will be a prequel and a sequel to. There's a tremendous amount of information in the book that will not be covered here, and most of everything that's on here is not in the book. On the last episode, I introduced to you four murders that took place on November the 7th, 1974, and have been covered up ever since. And I ended last episode by telling you that this country had taken a wrong turn in the 1960s. Now, in 1965, I was in high school when we partied without drugs. I didn't even know what marijuana was, never heard of it. Any open drug activity in the United States was isolated to the beatniks in New York. If you don't know what a beatnik is, you can Google that. They were living in, in their own world. By the time I came home from Vietnam in 1969, the beatniks had migrated to San Francisco and morphed into what was known as the hippies. And there weren't enough drugs anywhere in, the, in this hemisphere to satisfy their need at that time. In the 1970s, as Georgia's governor, Jimmy Carter's number one priority was putting an end to the corruption in law enforcement and the judicial system throughout Georgia, including the GBI. Now, the best way to explain what happened uh, in the 60s and to introduce to you the connection between law enforcement, drug traffickers, and the Dixie Mafia, uh, I'd like to make reference to the movie Blow with Johnny Depp. Now, it's a true story Blow is a movie about two drug dealers. It's a true story. In this story, there's uh, Johnny Depp's character, who oddly is not the main character in the movie. It's Hollywood's version of putting Johnny Depp in a character and making a movie. But the bad guy, and his real name was Carlos Later. Now, these two guys met up in prison, became the largest drug dealers in the world to this day. Now, Depp's character was into trafficking marijuana, and he wound up in prison up north for fooling with marijuana. The other character, in true life, his name was Carlos Slater. He was from South America, and he had been playing around with uh, trafficking cocaine. Now, Carlos Slater's daytime job was procuring inventory for his father automobile repair shop back in South America, back home. And in order to handle the needs of inventory of auto parts, Carlos later was stealing cars in America, stripping them down and sending the useful parts back to his family's auto shop business until he got caught and sent to prison. And there he shared a cell with Johnny Depp's character. Now, by the time they were released from prison, they both had a Ph.D. in drug trafficking. Before long, after getting out, the entrepreneurs had their enterprise up and flying, literally flying. Carlos later had located an island in the Caribbean that had a landing strip on it, something that was unique. The name of this island was Norman K. C-A-Y. That's a French word for a small island. 
So they set up shop on Norman's Cay, and Carlos later bought a surplus cargo plane, and he would fill the cargo plane full of drugs in South America and fly them to the island. Now, the only problem is this island had numerous landowners who had expensive coastal homes all around the island. Carlos later ran off anybody that would leave, and those that wouldn't leave were murdered. And they pretty much took over this island. Now, obviously he had to take care of the government leaders in the Caribbean islands by paying them off and allow them to uh, turn a blind eye to what was going on. Now, the drug dealers in the United States would have their pilots in these small planes fly down to Norman K. You can Google Norman's K, Carlos Lader's Island, and you'll see an aerial view of maybe 30 to 50 small airplanes waiting for the big cargo plane to come in from South America. These planes were loaded with cash by drug dealers in the United States to pay for the drugs and they would fly down there and buy the drugs. Now, each plane had a load of fuel, a pilot, the maximum load of drugs that they could carry. And in doing so, they would only have a flying range somewhere just south of Atlanta. And you better have a place to land. Now with billions of dollars of drugs coming into Georgia each month, meant you better have a safe place to land and transfer the drugs to the drug dealers in the United States that would move the drugs around the country for distribution. And you had to have police protection. I mean, we're just gonna land that many plans in Georgia and not get noticed. So they were buying law enforcement off to turn a blind's eye and allow the planes to come in and be unloaded safely and they were paying law enforcement handsomely to do so. That was Jimmy Carter's biggest problem. Now, the locals were being bought off to turn a blind eye, which actually made them part of this profitable enterprise. And by doing so, they had entered into a program that if they got caught, they would be subject to spending 10 or 15 years or more in prison. So it was easy money, but it had its consequences. So the biggest problem was to deal with anybody, to be aware of anybody that could upset the apple cart. Anybody that knew too much became a threat. Anybody that could blow the whistle on these activities had to be dealt with. And thus comes the Dixie Mafia and joins the business. They executed anyone that could expose this operation. And it was at this point that President Nixon created the Drug Enforcement Agency on January the 1st, 1973, known as the DEA. So it, it, it took a while for that to kick in. And the drugs were coming in 
by the billions, billions of dollars a month. Now, was there corruption in the DEA? Uh, my guess is yes, there's always corruption in every department. Now, if you want to get a feel for what Jimmy Carter was up to, you can check my website or Google Sandra Henry County. It, I'll have on my website and or my Facebook page a uh, news segment from CNN TV reporter uh, illustrating the numerous arrests in Henry County and around South Georgia, what Jimmy Carter had to deal with. Now, now you understand the Dixie Mafia is being paid by either the drug dealers and or the law enforcement officers to take out anybody that can blow the cover of this operation. If you're a crooked sheriff, a crooked DA or so forth, and you don't want to go to prison, uh, with all the money you're making allowing these drugs to come in, basically it comes down to you want to pay a little of that money back and have somebody murdered, keep you out of prison. That's basically the situation that's going on with the Dixie Mafia, the drug dealers, and law enforcement. Crooked, corrupt law enforcement, I might add. There were a lot of people that were not crooked. Again, I'd like you to do me a favor. And if you're interested in this podcast, interested in the outcome, and interested in seeing justice prevail, recommend this podcast to several of your friends, as many as you know, as many as you can. Like I said, five to ten and let's get people on board and help me find justice. And I thank you again. A PSTV production.